Today on the show, singer, songwriter, ukulele player, bow tie wearer, Corby Linker stops by. He's the one and only, he's the real deal, and you know what? He makes it a very lovely episode 43 of Who Writes This Stuff? Oh my gosh, you guys, we made it! I'm a little late with this episode, but if you're listening to this in the future, it doesn't really even matter, so I don't know why I'm apologizing for being late with the episode. Uh, This is episode 43, this is Who Writes This Stuff, this is Nick Flora coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, as always, or I guess I should say as usually is the case. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in, this is going to be a really fun episode. Um, It seems like each one that we do, it seems like... That's my new favorite one, and this is no exception. So thank you guys for listening. Um, I've gotten a lot of encouraging, positive feedback over the over the last couple of uh, like weeks, I guess. So I'm extremely delighted that you guys uh, seem to be enjoying the show, and I'm going to try to crank them out <laughs> a little bit more consistently. It's a little bit insane right now. As a lot of you know, I uh, just got out of the studio about a month ago, and uh, so this last month has been a lot of uh, mixing and mastering the, this new record and kind of formulating a promotional plan and booking this tour that's coming up by the way if you're in charlotte north carolina baltimore new york city new hampshire uh outside of boston uh philadelphia area or southern virginia i am coming your way in the next little bit uh may 31st through june 9th of 2013 which is this coming week uh and a half i guess I guess it's like next week and a half because I would be gone today if that was the case. But uh, anyway, uh, May 31st through June 9th, I am in all of those cities. And uh, I, I hope that if any of you are listening to this and you are anywhere near those those places I just listed off, um, that you would come and see a show. A lot of them are house shows, which I know can be sort of daunting and scary because it's not a public, in a public place as much as it's in you know somebody's living room. But uh, I guarantee you that all these house shows are open to the public, so if you want to come, you shoot me an email at houseshow at nickflora.com, and I'll give you all the information that I have, and make sure that you get there on time and come and hang out. And uh, really cool, I will be selling a uh, a pre-release copy of uh, The Reintroduction of Nick Flora, which is my new album that will be coming out in June or July, I haven't decided yet. Um, so I'm really excited about that coming out, and uh, I, I will have copies of that for sale. So if you want to come and hear the new songs live and then take them home with you before anybody else, this is your chance. So there's that, and that will be a lot of fun. So let's get a little bit of business out of the way first, of course. If you would like to contact the show, you can do so who writes this stuff podcast at gmail.com. If anything discussed on this episode or previous ones grabs you in a certain way, shoot us a line, let us know, and I might read it on the show. I've actually had a couple people write me and ask um, questions about, you know, how to get started in songwriting, how to get started in performing, how to get started, uh, you know, and just kind of being an indie artist and getting out there and what, what are some few first steps to take. And, and I love that kind of stuff. And I love imparting, you know, any kind of knowledge or experience that I've had over the, you know, doing this over the past 10 years or whatever. I'm, I'm, that's one reason why I, I wanted to start this podcast. So I'm so thankful. So, you know, for those people for writing in and I, and I you know, if I can be of any help to, you know, encouraging up and coming or whoever, uh, new performers, songwriters, all that kind of stuff. Uh, more than happy to do so. Um, so yeah, keep, keep those emails coming and, uh, also leave, uh, iTunes reviews if you would be so kind. Uh, if you can go to the iTunes page, uh, of who writes this stuff and leave an iTunes feedback, um, or a star rating, uh, it, it helps iTunes know that we're here and it lets other people know who listen to similar podcasts that we're here as well. And, uh, it's all good. And if you would like to donate to the show to keep it going, it is a free show, but, uh, it does cost money to produce and buy bandwidth and space and all that stuff. So if you'd like to go to the podcast blog, there's a donate button and any, any dollar amount is appreciated and totally helps. And hundred percent goes to making sure that there are more episodes of this podcast. So, um, and of course there's always a Twitter page at who writes pod or the Facebook page who writes this stuff as well. And, uh, there's a mailing list email list too. If you're interested, uh, I think it's linked on the podcast blog and in the Facebook page, look at that. We're just internetically connected all around. This is the future. This is what they were talking about when they talked about the future when we were kids. And now we're here, we're in it, we're living it. So, 
Um, yeah, I think that's all, all I got for now for the for the business side of things. Um, I would like to introduce you to my friend Corby Linker. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him or not, um, but he's a great uh, indie singer-songwriter who lives here in Nashville. He's originally from Seattle, and uh, he's doing a great job. He's, he's touring a lot. He's putting out continually great music and uh, of, of all different kinds. And um, he's, he's a very eclectic artist and, and just guy. I really enjoy talking to him and uh, don't get to do it enough. But um, anyway, he's the guest on the show today. He's the episode 43. And I'm very excited for you to hear uh, my conversation with Corby Linker. Oh yeah, mostly all the dumb things I'll say. Okay, as long as some dumb things on whoever's part. I know. I'm pretty sure that I mean there are probably podcasts that are just dumb things that people say. Yeah. Like probably the dumb things podcast. The way the internet works these days. There's something for everyone. If you've thought of something, like that's probably a thing. It probably is. There's somebody doing it already. Yeah, that's how the internet was presented to me when I was when it like first came about when I was in school. It was just like just thing that if you come up with it there's somebody else out there who's thinking about it <laughs> just, like, it's true which in a way you know i wonder this is just the way my brain works but with the with before the internet like think about like an einstein's time or whatever if somebody came up with an idea there's probably somebody else who came up with you know the theory of relativity or the theory of like or like gravity before like newton did Probably, you know, that guy was like in a farmer's field. Somewhere. Yeah, he just didn't have the. Yeah, it was probably there's the connections. Some, that's right. There's probably some uh, Inuit somewhere who was like, when things fall to the ground, you know. Totally. He's probably hitting the head with. Just off the. Ground. What do what do Inuits eat? Snowballs or snowballs. They don't eat snowballs, but I think he would be hitting the head with a snowball. Like a penguin egg. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, Inuits there? Those are Eskimos, right? Yeah. Okay. I think that, I think Inuit is the tribe and Eskimo is like the white man's term. Oh, term. it's like Indian. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying Indian. Are you? Do you? Inuit? No. <laughs> Are you an Inuit? <laughs> when I saw you. Saw you. I, I get that I like, a lot. This guy, <laughs> bow tie. There you go. So, uh, do you? It's weird how things that we are, things that we were brought up thinking are okay. Like, as far even like I don't. I don't know, but I was raised in the South, so, like, racial things, <laughs> like, even, like, me just saying Indian right there, like, that's really offensive to, you know, Native Americans, but even saying, like, Native American now, I feel weird. Or when you say, when you say, like, African American. That seems weird. That seems like you're being very, like, patronizing. Totally. Almost. And when it first came out, I think it was sort of like, oh, it's respectful, but now it, there's been so much said and so many jokes about it. It even feels weird to delineate between that we're different from anybody else but i i agree it's such a it's such a weird thing things you're taught as a kid is there an update like, on that i mean i don't like, know we should is it on snopes.com like can you say i know i wish that i wish that we would get something in the mail once a month yeah. it was like okay here's or the updated year. thing totally it would, or like every 10 years in the census it would come back like We've taken the census, and there's this many people in the country, and this is exactly. what these people want to be called, and this is what these people want to be called. <laughs> exactly. But I have no problem being called, like, white guy. You yeah, know? I mean... Whatever. It'd be weird if you did. If I, if I cared about it? Caucasian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Excuse well, me. What white person... I mean, there probably is, but I don't know any white people that are like, whoa, 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 it's Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go crazy. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. If there are those people, we probably don't hang out with them. <laughs> no. Like, the white guy who gets offended by everything. Like, that yeah. that guy. I mean, I'm sure that there is that guy, but... Like, we, we've had the privilege I mean, for I've... centuries. <laughs> like, totally. So, like, it's about time that everybody else... Like, that the world caught up with the fact that we kind of all... We, we all come from the same place. Like, let's, let's be cool. I think it's heading that way. Our I kids... Th- what are, what are they gonna do? They're they're not gonna say African American. No, I I heard a story about this uh, African American <laughs> gentleman. Uh, he was a gentleman. He was wearing a tie and he had a, a top hat and a cane. Mm-hmm. That's why I knew he was a gentleman. But uh, it told a story about his kid being like six or seven and and uh, like going to school and and he was like, she came home from school and was like telling about the kids in the class <clears throat> and he kind of knew everybody in the class and he's like wait wh-? and he was talking about this kid Rodney he was like who's Rodney he's like you know he's the kid he wore a red shirt yesterday he's like 
no, no, okay. You have to break it down. Who is this kid you're talking about? And she couldn't think of any ways to describe him. She's like, you know, he likes, like, bugs, and he has, like, an ant farm, and he's always, like, singing songs, you know, and she couldn't, and he was the one black kid in the class. And she just wouldn't. But that, she didn't see it that way or whatever. Oh, wow. Like, she didn't, she couldn't say, like, oh, it's the other black kid, because she's she a little black girl or whatever. She couldn't say it, too. So, wow. I was just like, that's amazing, you know. And I think that, and that's a, that's fairly recent, so I think you're right. Like, our kids, like, hopefully that's going away. I brought you here to talk about race relations. <laughs> I don't know. I'm shooting from the head. I am the go-to source in my neighborhood. Going from Inuits to, to Indians to, no, but that's, a, that's what's interesting to me because you, you're never more aware of, uh, how, like, what kind of, what do you even call them? They're not racial slurs, but they are. Just whatever it's... Racial terms. Yeah, terms are, like, irk you in a weird way until you hear your grandparents start talking about people. Because mm. my, my grandparents are, like... I one living grandparent now, but she's the sweetest lady in the world. And, but you know, when she starts talking about people, <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa, yeah. we are not... We are so far beyond... But it's sort of, like, adorable in a way. I've been trying to talk about this on stage because I have a song about my grandmother and just the way she sees the world. and I. But it's hard to say the words adorably racist <laughs> but there is sort of like a she doesn't mean anything like she's not mean that's just what they called people of different races when she was a kid it's kind of like uh, it's like childish in a way it's like mm. oh grandma she's i know just a, like, it's a little sweet. kid in her way yes like there's yeah. no i mean i'm sure there are grandparents who are just mean about it but my you know she's just sweet and that's just the way she she's hasn't updated her you know her data her system yeah <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't updated the old iPhone she's in a while. OS is behind. She's so she's like on OS nineteen sixty. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't updated in quite a while. Um, so how's it going? <laughs> oh, it's going good, man. It's uh, it's been busy and yeah. You just got back from the road, right? Did uh, run in the north, well, the Midwest three weeks ago, and then was home for a day, and then went out to the Northeast. Just got back from that, mm-hmm. heading to Texas on Saturday. For a couple of weeks. I'm basically following you at this point because in a couple of weeks I'm doing that. I'm going up the northeast, and then after that I'm going down to Texas. So. Where are you playing the northeast? Um, all over through. I'm starting out like North Carolina and just going up the east coast, basically mm-hmm. like Virginia, DC, Philly, New York, all the way basically up to Maine, like New Hampshire, like the main border, and then circling back around and sort of hitting up the places that I didn't hit on the way up. Exciting. So, did you? Yeah, did, you did you set it up yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you book yourself? I do or not. You don't? I'm what is that like? <laughs> oh, you're bad at it? Yeah. Do you well, hire somebody or did somebody... I have an agent. Okay. agent. Somebody reached out a while ago. Um, How do you do that? <laughs> Dude. It know. just happens. It's not. There's no formula. And yeah, it's funny because I've talked to a couple other people who have, who are, in my mind, higher up on the food chain. Right. And um, I'm like, you know, pay attention to who their agent is. And I finally like asked a couple of friends... Um, so is it, you know, is it, what, at what point is like the agent actually like always on and going to do all the stuff and you can stop freaking out about it? Right. And they're like, oh yeah, never. That doesn't happen. That doesn't ever happen. You kind of have to, you're always scared. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I had, there's a brief stint where I had, I was kind of courted by a manager and I don't have a manager now, but off and on, you know, people are like, let's try it out and see if anything clicks. And it took me a couple turns to figure out that, um, there's never a point where you just don't worry about it anymore. Yeah. Like, I was like, no, you get a manager and, like, a booking agent and maybe a label. At this point, it was like, labels were, like, what you, what everybody wanted to get. And then you just made music for a living. You just sat on a back porch over a lake and just, like, made music. And they were like, don't worry about it, buddy. We got... No, you're always in... Yeah. (laughs) There's never that serene moment. I'm pretty sure that Bono is still, like, thinking about what's the next step. Oh, totally. You know? Maybe Prince doesn't worry. I know. There's got to be a bigger Something arena somewhere. Bigger. We have to build a bigger arena and then play it. Totally. He's probably pissed. Did they not? They didn't do the Olympics, did they? I don't think they were part of that. He's did bands play the Olympics? Like the opening ceremonies? Or yeah, something? There was, yeah. I remember seeing the opening ceremonies for the. I remember Danny Olympics. Boyle, the film director, was yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, he like did it. He yeah, like, it was him. He directed. He directed, he directed the, the Olympics. <laughs> like it's not a. It's not good enough that I won an Oscar. For best picture, best director, I have to direct the Olympics. Yeah, it's basically gonna get to a point where he's like, "I'm going to direct a, a worldwide flash mob 
this just people living their lives. It's going to be like eating itself. Like, totally. You're in the, you're doing it. You're part of it. Even we just see him around town and he's just like telling people what to do. He's shouting from a, and people are like, is he, is he insane? Like, well, yes, but he's also, he thinks he's directing us. Like what's bigger? Like, where do you go? <laughs> totally. <laughs> that point. Have you seen that movie, Synecdity in New York? No. Philip Seymour Hoffman? Hmm. This is going to be a really short conversation. That's basically what that movie's about. <laughs> It's good. I hate that when somebody asks me if I've seen a movie that I haven't seen. And then they you seem like a guy who would like that movie. I'll just put that out there. Yeah, well, I like so. that, that actor. Yeah, and Charlie Kaufman. Do you know Charlie Kaufman? Of course. It's his, like, dire- he's the first movie he's, like, directed that he's written. Because usually, like, Michelle Gondry did uh, Eternal Sunshine or yeah. Spike Jones or whatever. So he, it's sort of his first foray into directing his own thing. Wow. And it's, like, it's an insane movie like that. It's almost like a M.C. Escher painting where it's just, like, you know, he gets to the point, it's basically what I said, like, he's, he wants to write a play about his life, and it ends up being like, but what point do you stop? And so he's, like, living his life, and then the next day, he writes that into the play, and so the play's just, it's, and so he, but it's That's like a classic Kaufman. Classic, kind of yeah, like, it has so many levels of meta to it, that when yeah. you, after you get done watching, you're just like, I hated that, but then you can't stop thinking about yeah. it, and then you buy the DVD. <laughs> That's what I did. When did it come out? I feel like uh, 07, 08. Okay. So Maybe not, a little bit later super than that. new. No, and it was really, it was one of those, because I feel like he should have more clout, but he, since he, he was first time directing, just because you've written something doesn't mean you can direct it. And so I've, I think they didn't have a lot of like push in, mm. in a lot of, uh, I'm a big Oscar, like I don't fan like movies like that. I, I get really involved. Oscar season is my Super Bowl, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So, and I've learned just over the years that it's very political. Like if you, whoever gets nominated is because they basically like bought the ad space to get that. Sure. I'm sure it's the same way with Grammys and stuff too. I should probably pay more attention since that's my is. chosen field. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. So like if you don't have enough money in your budget to push, it doesn't matter if everybody loves this movie. Like it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. It's which not is like weird. for the love. It's not like the, no, the crowd rises as it should be. carries you forward. I think it, essentially it was at the beginning, but yeah. it's just sad that it hasn't, that it's kind of become. It's like that. It's yeah. Everything. I know. Right? I don't even know. I try not to think about that stuff. It's the worst. Yeah. Well, the, I think there's a point where your business side of your brain, because would you consider yourself an independent artist? I mean, you're not like tied to like a, you're not like tied to a huge label or anything, are you? So not that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> you might. I might we'll, get a we'll go, after this mail. is over, we'll Google it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you know, there's a point like where you sort of have to turn off. There's business brain and there's artistic brain. And at some point, I don't know if the two can live together, but you have to turn off one to work on the other. Because I have, I have songs that I'm, like, having to write for people for different projects right now, but I'm in the middle of, like, I just got out of the studio, so I'm in the middle of, like, booking the CD release tour and trying to make sure it's promoted well. And and the songs just aren't getting written. <laughs> no, there's totally, you can't even be creative in that space. No, I'm so exhausted at the, you know. Yeah. And business brain is basically beat up artistic brain. And so, like, Get out of here, little kid. <laughs> like, push him down on the oh, playground. Yeah, he he doesn't want to get out. The yeah. art, dude, artists are the worst. You can't get the worst. Especially, and it's terrible when you're the same person. Yeah. yeah. I go through that on a daily basis. And I feel like a lot of my, like, artistic journey has been trying to figure out how to mitigate that very thing of being somebody who is, it's important to get things done. Because I don't want to write great songs that only I hear. Yeah. You know, I want what I do to have an audience and to, I also want to be able to do it full time. Um, and uh, so there's that, but then also at the same time, having something that's worth sharing, which involves a lot of staring at the floor and late nights doing nothing and being utterly unproductive, you know, but yeah. it's really hard to. We're on the outside anyway, looking unproductive. Yeah, I mean, we're even on the inside, just like. I kind of feel like this week, in fact, I sort of, it's been a wasted week in a way. And um, not really. I mean, I've like, just staring at the computer right before I left my house today, doing, dutifully answering emails and updating my website. Look at that. But, uh, <laughs> dutifully. It is that was the first day of it. And it's been like four, and I only did it because I hadn't done it for four days, which is a really long time, probably for you too, to not be kind of like, oh. Yeah. booking crap and that's stuff. huge yeah exactly and so I was out of sheer guilt and panic but in that time the last three days I've actually been playing a lot of guitar and like working really hard on this technique and like having a metronome out and actually trying to be a good musician so 
It's really. See, I think you're wasting your. That's that's where the wasted week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to be out there getting. You got to get those Facebook likes and those uh, those oh, MySpace yeah. friends. <laughs> totally. Thinking of that tweet. You you're really good at tweeting. Oh, you thanks. You have a lot of followers. That's why I brought you here yeah. <laughs> to compliment me. Oh, I will yeah. let you compliment me the whole time. Um, I'm good at I like complimenting people. Good. I think it's nice. I think you're I good like at. To be complimented. You're really good at complimenting people. <laughs> that's that's true. I have a reputation. <laughs> Ain't got a steady job. Ain't got a smoking girlfriend. Ain't got a fancy phone. Get my music from the FM. Ain't got a private jet. Ain't got a red Corvette. Ain't got a summer home. Just me and my apartment all alone. That's just fine My little life My little life My little life is mine, mine, mine I don't mind the cherry coke I don't mind the country music I don't mind the being broke Money's just so I can use it I like sleeping in Going to the movies I got a few good friends We like hanging out And doing nothing Much at all But I think that that part of it is like I, there's they're learning. I learned a few years ago, kind of had like a I don't know what the term means, but I use it a lot. The watershed moment of like figuring out this is a big moment of like, oh, I can control some things in what I'm doing musically and like pushing my career forward as far as people knowing what I'm doing. But and I should worry about those things. Like there are things that like I I can sit all day and just be pissed that. Corby has a booking agent and I don't, which I'm so pissed I'm that you pissed. do. I'm pissed. <laughs> Give I'm me pissed a phone. I want your contacts, everybody. all of them. Um, <laughs> but you know, or, or think about those things like, why does this person have this opportunity? The things that you can't change. Like you said, there are people like, you know, that are up the ranks or whatever that you feel like yeah. are whatever. And we all have those people. And it's almost, I don't know, it's not embarrassing to, to you or whatever, but you know, I'm like, gosh, I, feel, I, I almost want to avoid... <laughs> like talking about that kind of stuff around people that I feel like are far more deserving. But like I said, there's no formula or like ladder to climb. There's not. So, well, I just, th- I th- think about this stuff a lot until I t- really try hard not to think about it because, um, wow, fat lot of good it does you to be jealous of other people. You yes. Know, you know that it doesn't help you write songs or anything good. And also, even the angry songs you write aren't very good. <laughs> no, they're just, they're just, uh, yeah. They're Taylor Swift songs <laughs> and they sell money at the copies. <laughs> No, I just try to, like, my whole universe is very this big. I try to keep it there. For the listener at home, Corby is holding his hands my, about the, five inches apart. Yes. Six inches. Very narrow. <laughs> it's just, uh, and I forgot it was in a TV interview. No, it's not. You dress for TV, though. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. But, yeah, you just, I, you just, you spend time dealing with the things you can control, and then the rest of the time you try to make something that's worth listening to. And that's pretty much a full life right there for me. And that's so like, true. if things get better, if they get worse, I've been doing this for kind of a long time now and have gone up and down twice where it's been really great. And then all of a sudden it was really terrible. Not all of a sudden, it just a year and a half later, it was just really terrible. What was just my career, yeah. like, or my mm-hmm. feeling on my career, or right. my feeling of things moving forward, or my feeling of being relevant, or even oh, yeah. being able to write a good song. All those, things. all of those things mm-hmm. that you're dealing with all the time. And so now that I, I've done that, gone through that cycle twice, like you know, over 15 years, it's kind of like I can handle it all a lot better. I'm nothing, no one thing is great, and no, you know, or no one thing is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's all just. Even times when I feel like I'm not creative, I can remember back to another time when I didn't feel creative either, but there was something happening that I wasn't even aware of that, you know, manifested when it was time. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I try to do that. And plus being a natural adds another layer of pressure and all of that, you yeah. know, because there's so many amazing people here who are 
both famous and amazing or, you know, deserving or undeserving or whatever, you know, like there's just all, everything is here and it's in moving in high speed and no one is yeah. waiting for you. Um, and so you have to like, I don't know, you almost have to like develop an extra gene when you move here that like makes, like puts a wall between you and the, every and the whole town. Yeah. Otherwise you just either turn into an angry, bitter person or you'll turn into somebody who's writing songs like everybody else. Or you, you know, you'll just fall into one of the many pitfalls that it exists yeah. along the way. Of, I mean, I definitely have that where I look around at the landscape and I, <clears throat> when I moved here, like I felt like I was on my way to figuring out a specific or what kind of specific kind of artist I was. Hmm. And then when I got here, I saw the landscape and I was like, Oh, this is what people want. Like I have to wear, you know, a V-neck tee and I have to be like, or whatever you, you pick yeah. out people and, and it's sort of like going to high school, like walking into the first day of high school and being like, what table do I fit and where do I want to be by the end of the school? You know, all these things. But when really what would make, you know, what these people you see like who are standing out or whatever did it because for the most part, they probably just did what they did and didn't worry about. They, I mean, they, they definitely worried about it, but you know, you, you do get to this kind of elevated like evolved state in a way where you're just like, I think a lot of it maybe even has to come where you hit the wall and you're like, I can't worry about this anymore or I'm going to like have a panic attack, you know? Totally. So you you just kind of, you're like, all I can do is what I can do. And so I got to figure out what it is that specifically makes me the artist that I am. And you just run with that. that. And when I figured that out, I kind of had that realization two years ago, like when I was writing my last album and I, I, and it, changed everything like it changed everything like it almost took the pressure off it's like mm-hmm. so when i when i go to like and i see like paper route play or i see like you know <clears throat> like leagues or some band like that that i'm i'm trying to think of somebody that's really different from me and uh and i'm like gosh or like the killers or something i'm like i just need to be i need to be more vague and more like <laughs> like yeah. soulful and i'm so specific with my songwriting why am i so specific and like you know I, I talk about very specific things and i you know or i tell these stories that are kind of odd and um, because I, you know, who, my heroes are Randy Newman or whoever. Yeah. Who, it, who never even really got to that point, maybe even later in their career. But anyway, I'm jumping all over the place. But there is sort of like specificity, I feel like, is what is going to make you sort of stand out. And so I feel like forever, or for the beginning of our careers anyway, you sort of look around to see like who you can be or who you can sound like. Mm-hmm. And then sort of, at least in my experience, like the last or this middle part or whatever has been like looking in and being like, well, I'm sort of like a fully formed person. Like, what do I have about me that I can own and like run with? I was when I was in New York uh, last week. Name drop. I stole. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's, City hopefully drop. Hopefully, will be the extent of it. No, I'm about to do it again. I'm gonna about to drop name drop an do author. Do it. An author no one's ever heard of. Um, <clears throat> this guy named Sam Lipside is a writer that I'm a big fan of, and uh, I just found out that he um, it was doing a book reading slash signing at this bookstore in, in the city called Strand oh, I and it was yeah. when I had a night off and actually I didn't have a night off it was just my show was late enough that I could do both so I went there and um, you know he's kind of the toast of the town now in the last two years and he's toiled in obscurity he's in his late 40s now and he's mm-hmm. just now like sort of people care right? Uh, and so of course there, there was over 15 people there at the book signing <laughs> In New York City. Over 15? Yeah, it was totally not very well attended. But um, he read out of his book, and then he opened the floor up to... There was like an interviewer uh, that they talked for a while, and then he opened the floor up to questions. And I asked him... Because um, I write a lot of short stories, and I'm kind of... Um, I read... I know a lot more about books than I do music. It's been that way since I was a little kid. Interesting. I just, like, really liked books a lot and still do. And um, I've spent a lot of time kind of wondering if I'm supposed to be doing this mm-hmm. or if I'm supposed to be a serious writer, whatever that means. And um, anyway, so I asked him, you know, at what point in his early career, what was what was an event, if one or two events, or what made him go like, no, I can do this, I am a writer. And I expected it to him to say something like, well, you know, when I first won this award or when I was accepted at the... Iowa Writers Workshop or whatever um, and instead he was like well you know I wrote forever and I tried all out all kinds of different voices and it was probably like 10 years into it he was like one night I was writing and I remember thinking like oh, this is writing this is who I am like 
this is it. And he was like, that's when I knew I was really a writer. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting because it came from within him, you know, his like sense of, no, I can't do this. It wasn't, it wasn't somebody it wasn't telling ex- Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> external validation. And I thought about it and I'm like, I know that in my own career, in my own path, that the most important moments for me as an artist, the most validating, were absolutely the same thing. Hiding, hiding behind my face Baby, forgive me, I don't know what to say songs there's a couple of songs I've written and we're like I don't give a shit what if somebody thinks that they're great or not or if they mm-hmm. have a huge audience I kind of know you know and that weird sort of I might be delusional yeah but I know for me like that is a badass song that's a song worth sharing that's a song worth sacrificing your whole life for just to give it a little shot you yeah know? I think about that a lot in terms of um, my relationship to my songs I try I think of them as like little little babies and um, that I've like, I don't know, born into the world. <laughs> you birthed them. I birthed them, and they like they need a shot. Like if I've, I, I mean, most of what motivates me is just like this kind of loyalty to this song's right to exist in the world, and mm-hmm. the fact that I believe in it, and I've, I've seen it do something, for, you know, for for people on a small scale, and that makes me think that more people, it would help people. Not all my songs. Some of them are just. You know, self-indulgent bullshit, but sometimes hopefully not too many of them. Sometimes it's for you. This one's for me. These yeah, yeah, there's some for me and there's some for you. And the ones that, you know, that really count are probably the ones for you. Yeah. But um, I, anyway, that's just, uh, that's something that's been helpful to me along the way. Because, yeah, like it never ends. Like you, if, if we play Bonnaroo, dude, the year after that, we'll just be so, we won't even remember it. Yeah. You know, we'll just be like, that was, who, what What about now? Like, and mm-hmm. everyone feels the same way at every stage of their career, at every age. And so, you know. There's an element of, like, letting, like, when you hear stuff like that, like, whenever I hear, like, Paul Simon or somebody <clears throat> that that I'm just like, that dude figured it out and he's never worries about anything. <laughs> hear them, like, voicing some sort of, like, discontent or, mm-hmm. you know, or not even discontent, but just, like, there's an itch. Like, well, there's still stuff that I haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. Uh it sort of lets me off the hook. I'm like, oh, I still, I mean, I'm still going to worry. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still going to think about those things because I'm, you know, I'm driven and I want to, you know, I want to keep doing this and I want to figure out, you know, all the different facets of, of songwriting and like, you know, like <clears throat> I just made this album and it's not even out yet, but I'm already thinking about what the next, like I want to do an EP and I want to do another album. I'm like, what are those going to look like? And what are they, I'm already like chasing it. You're constantly chasing it. And I think if you're, if you're not, then you just, become smash mouth and you just don't yeah you're just like whatever we're gonna live on the beach totally and not make music anymore which is fine if that's your choice sure um but i think a lot of times if you do have that itch it's never goes away no simon's still he i'm sure he doesn't feel like he's in his mid-60s i mean oh no but i'm sure he's just like the same thing like what can i say now well even if you hear like like his last album is just like gosh this is like a this is not you know, most, most artists who have the storied career that he has would just be kind of doing the hits. Like, putting out albums that they want to put out, but mostly, mostly they're just going to play on the hits. But his, like, last album that he just put out is just, like, like the, the places that he's going is <clears throat> just so intuitive. And so, like, I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, I've gone yeah. back and, like, read the lyrics while I'm listening to it kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, there's not a lot of artists, I feel like, that, you know... They they kind of go the let's retire to Vegas at this point and just play the <laughs> play the hits, but but I think yeah if that itch is there I think it's healthy and I think if, like you know if people say I'm worried that I'm not gonna be enough or I'm worried that like I'm you know this next thing that I do I'm I believe in it but I just I'm 
it, I'm worried because it's not satisfying the way I wanted it to satisfy. Mm-hmm. Like I think you're on the right track because mm-hmm. there's that's that's a healthy itch. Totally. Or maybe it's this elusive like non-existent uh, like goal out there that you're gonna reach it and then all the all the <laughs> stars are gonna align and you uh, immediately contend it's like the end of a video game mm-hmm. you know you finish the video game and you can yeah retire. it's like game over and you just finally tend that garden that you've ignored for all these years and they're just not so totally and that's a um, what is it John Mayer used the analogy of you catch a fish and throw it back yeah and so you just you know that's it, the whole thing of it I was saying as a little kid when I had Legos you know it's like the, the fun part of Legos was making the thing I didn't spend a lot of time playing with the spaceship that I made. I just break the spaceship up and make a new spaceship. Yeah, I mean that's that's making art. I I think that like songwriters, songwriters and creators are maybe a different breed than performers. You know, like the Celine Dion's and the Garth Brooks do retire to Vegas because, and they do kind of rest on their laurels a little bit. Um, Or even like Elton John was just here, like he. That dude. It's, he's playing the hits, he's right? Totally played the hits. Yeah, and it's just a joy. I mean, why not? And you're, it's yeah. so fun as a performer. It's there's no greater reward than playing songs and seeing it mean something to people mm-hmm. right there in the room with you in real time. But um, that's a different thing than writing something new. Writing something, you know, like writers are a, a quirkier lot in a way. I yeah. Think. Um, and I've always identified with them more than great performers. Is, is that why you think you are sort of drawn to like authors and, For sure. and books and that kind of thing? Yeah, I like things that came out of nothing, you know? Yeah. Reduplicating things is not as interesting to me. Um, I mean, it is interesting. Like, seeing somebody who's a tremendous singer or a really great guitar player is great. And in the moment, I'm like inspired and moved. But I, they don't have as lasting an impression on me as somebody that's um, made something, you know, that didn't exist before them a song or mm-hmm. a story or um, yeah and I just I'm a big fan of words too um, I just went to see Chris Christopherson last night at the Ryman oh really how so was that it was amazing um, <clears throat> it was I mean it was amazing and like really th- you had a lot of time to think because it was just him on guitar for two hours it was just him just him it was an evening with no, Chris it was an evening with Chris Christopherson there's a <laughs> point where his daughter came out and played like three songs on banjo um, well, you know, but did they uh, play like parts of when he was in Blade, like or behind him? I think or? that people would have liked that. But I mean, it was very like Arthur style. Sure, it was sure. Just, just him and a light and a music stand, and I kind of love that. It was it was really great. And what was amazing mostly was that the feeling of like witnessing somebody just just sharing their legacy in two hours. Um, you know, this he's seventy seven. He's more than twice as old as I am now, and that's that's pretty old yeah and uh i mean and he is also like a true cowboy poet in the sense that a lot of his themes some of his themes are like fun like best of all possible worlds which is even it's still a lot of his themes touch on really um heavy philosophical concepts or really deep eternal truths Mm -hmm. kind of things and he does it with you know simple words and it's he's a master and the way that he you know he's as an old guy kind of was never really a great guitar player but now can kind of barely play guitar and it sings everything's like dropped you know three right. whole whole tones down <laughs> right um and so there's like all the songs were delivered solely so you just had all this time like to like hear the line think about the line hear the next line it was a really slow paced kind of concert but um in that you just really had a moment to like have the full weight of the words kind of sink in on you Mm -hmm. and because almost because this performance wasn't the performance uh, this is weird to say but like wasn't distracting from the song in the sense that it just wasn't very great you weren't like whoa man what a great singer wow this is just great to hear him playing and singing you were just like right there it was like a prophet kind of like just um reading from the stone tablets that he found all, you know, 15 right. years ago. It was really mo- amazing moving. I saw it with well, a friend of mine. He was out of the way and he saw, and you just saw the song. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. great. And you, in a, in a way that you can't do unless you're that old, really. Like, um, even Chris Christopherson of t- 20 years ago would have, you know, he's still a little fire in the belly there. Probably had a band up there. Probably putting a show on. Yeah. Just totally not putting a show on. 
Absolutely. Like, every song, he would just play it. And the last chord of every song was like... <laughs> like, he was just... Stop. No, like, ringing out. No, no. attention to anything. Yeah. All the songs kind of just fire No presentation. Up. Yeah, there's no, like, okay, and begin. Because these people are... I mean, you guys are coming to see the man. Yeah. Whatever the, he wants to the do. The man who can do no wrong. Exactly. And we were yeah. all just, like... People at the very... I mean, the first third of the show, like, every other line, people were just clapping after, like, freaking out. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it was it was really something. It was great to see that, and I don't know. I saw Randy Newman too. I'm a huge fan of Randy. Yeah, Newman. I'm. You know, it's great to have heroes that no one's ever heard of, which is amazing that people don't know Randy Newman. He, it's a, it baffles me, and I yeah. want to. I want to make a documentary about, <laughs> or I want to see a documentary about, and there eventually will. But it's so weird to me, like people that have people that are so great and continually great, having sort of the. Uh, like, what's it called when you're, like, in the third act of your life or whatever? Like, he had sort of a, you know, he had a career jump, and it was because of Pixar. Yeah. You know, it's so Strange. weird. Like, oh, and he'll probably always be known as the guy, the Toy Story guy or whatever. friended me, yeah. Totally. Yeah, which, there's nothing wrong with that, but, I mean, even on the film front, like, he scored so many films before that one. Yeah. You know, and The Natural, and <clears throat> it's just so strange to me that, it makes sense because, and I have a theory about this that I've said on the podcast before, but I think if he was, if he looked like Mick Jagger and played what he played, it'd be different. Yeah. I think a lot of it's just because he's sort of this turtle kind of weird voice. Everything about him, nothing about him is approachable at the beginning. Everything about him is a, is a, it's a slow burn and mm-hmm. it takes a little time. Um, so him being like married to a cartoon essentially is, it, it's easier to take because you're like, oh, we're going to watch this kind of like, you know, this weird new computer animated stuff that the, they're Hollywood's cranking out these days. Right. And so it's sort of easier to take him. But even like the hits that he had, you know, uh, I Love L.A. or, you know, Short People or whatever are kind of weird songs. I feel like he sings the most straight, like normal pop in like I Love L.A. But like even Short People, like he's still got that. Your people got yeah. Yeah. He's still got that. So no, strange. But I mean, I, I love the man. I th- I think he's totally. a genius. I think he's a genius too. And I, I I think about this question too because of that. How is a guy super duper talented, um, amazing voice, amazing songwriter? Um, he's influenced so many people who are way more successful than he is yeah. as far as like well known and stuff. I think it's I think it's a couple things. I think one of them is that he's such an individual. I mean, the song "Short People." Is like an anti-pop song, you know. It's like everything wrong about, and it's sort of mean-spirited. It's really mean. And um, he has no qualms of being mean. <laughs> yeah, and even his beautiful songs are like actually mean, like um, "Sail Away," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, which sounds just like this inspiring song. Come on, let's go and discover a new country. Together. But it's about slavery. It's about slavery. It's about it's like the words that the slave ship is owner. Pilot yeah, captain is saying to this the, the, the Caucasian, yeah, uh, slave owner, yeah. <laughs> little bit more um what's the word i was gonna say clout but if, if you had like if you knew that you had that like <clears throat> this fan base that wasn't gonna waver like they just wanted to hear whatever it was that you put out you know like a little bit more that you didn't have to worry about people buying your records as much because like rent is taken care of you know what i'm yeah. saying if would you be a little bit more like brazen do you think i don't know i, feel I like, think about that all the time i feel like i'm mostly in, i have so much creative freedom I feel like most, I mean, I'm not obviously famous at all, but I am kind of doing it for a living now. Sure. And I have enough people that care and that really do will like kind of follow whatever I make. If it's a song, if it's a video, if it's a record. Yeah. They want to see what you're going to do. They want to see what I'm going to do next. And, um, that's fun. That's a fun place to be. It's, yeah, it feels exciting. And even within that, I've consciously tried different things. Um, 
I have some people that are really like big. I write these short stories, and some people are like, that's how they like me, music, whatever. But, um, uh, and so, and they're always kind of, they're similar in tone and like what, what I tend to write about. But, um, I've kind of like, I started freaking out about it a year ago. I just felt like I couldn't write anymore. I was too self-conscious again. Like, it was another period of being like paralyzingly self-conscious. Ugh, the worst thing in the world. But, um, I had Like this, with writing? Short stories? Yeah, with writing in particular. Um, writing is really much harder for me than writing songs. Songs is just... Because you, if you can kind of sing and you can perform, and I spent a long time like trying to be good at guitar, so I sort of am not great, but well, whatever, I can do it. Um, that's it's just, just in a way, it's not a pure transmission. Mm. Like you can almost if you can if your performance is good, you can sing the phone book. True, I'm not saying that's that true. My performance is good enough to sing the phone book, but it's just like when you're writing, it's just one mind in your mind, and it's mm-hmm. just pure communication. So it's very naked and personal in a way. And um, anyway, this is all to say that uh, I started writing again, and in January, or it was in December, I had just kind of a weird thing happen where I came home from the basement, and um, there was a car on fire on, on my street. Um, it's like, you know, December 15th or something. And this lady comes running down the street, not in any particular hurry or alarm. She runs right up to me, and she's like, hey, man, do you have a, do you have a phone? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, that car's on fire up the street. I'm like, yeah, I see that. She's like, yeah, we just totally saw it happen. Me and my friend are out walking. We don't have our phones on us. But uh, this car like came and crashed into a telephone pole. And then everyone got out of the car and got into a car behind that car that had been following And took them, off? And they all drove away. And ever since, like, in Walsh, I mean, this happened like two minutes, literally, before. I mean, I must. they must have just driven off when I pulled up. And because while she's telling wow. me this, the car... Like, the flames are now, like, coming up from under the hood. And so I, like, run up the street. I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. You never see this. And while I run up there, now the flames are, like, over the whole half of the car. It is totally on fire. Then there's, like, little explosions happening. Yeah. So that's like when I get my phone out, and I'm, like, shooting it. <laughs> of course. Of course, as you do. It's 2013. <laughs> and the, the fire department, I called it the um, 911, and um, told, you know, no one was alarmed. She just, the first thing they ask you is where it's happening. I'm, like, corner of Blakemore and wherever yeah she's like oh yeah we already got that one i'm like oh okay and she's like good night hang up on me yeah i've done Crazy. that before yeah yeah and so the fire trucks show up and i you know i'm like shooting them i'm like kind of probably too close i thought they'd yell at me and nobody it was like it was just the strangest thing where nobody was alarmed nobody was really super concerned it was all kind of in slow motion they hosed out the fire no one yeah. yelled at me like doing anything and so i wrote about <coughs> this and it was kind of some of the times i write more emotionally and this, I just sort of wrote how I, like, what the whole thing was that happened and how it felt. And one of my readers, like, just wrote this scathing review. It's really interesting on Facebook. Like, just, I've been following you forever. And I think this is the most self-absorbed story I've seen you or anyone write. I'm just really disappointed. Thought I should let you know. Click. And it's like, um, what good hurt my feeling in a, it hurt my feelings in a sense. But in the other, like, one second later, I'm like, damn, I love the fact that whatever I've been doing has meant enough to this person that she would have this kind of reaction to a different thing. And I mean, I don't think that I've lost her as a fan. I think that she's checked out the stories I've written since. And I guess they fit more in her line with what I should be doing because I haven't gotten any reviews. But it's just like, it's just, if you're trying to set something off in somebody, either, you know, um, touch them or annoy them or whatever, it's sort of exciting to succeed in doing that. Well, any response is better than no response. For sure. So, I mean, I I can't even tell you, I'm sure you had the same experience going to a show, and I'd much rather see somebody that is just sucking it up Yeah. than just see somebody who's just fine Yeah. and bland and forgettable yeah. and like... Like they're kind of trying to paint with a huge broad brush and you're just, and they just get lost and you're just yeah. like, you get about like 30 seconds into the first song and you're like, ah, this guy was nice, but I can't, I'm going to have to go outside. Yeah. You know, like I'm a horrible audience anyway. Like I'm really bad at staying for people, you know, that I'm playing with or whatever. But, um, but you know, I'd rather have the, like, I'll never forget that because that guy was awful yeah. or holy, that, like that guy was incredible that I want to tell more people about this. Like that was yeah. such a delight. It's either one or the other. I feel like that the worst is to be like, just not bland, Ugh, like lukewarm. Totally. So like, and I try to. I don't. I don't get a lot of like criticism, 
I, I'm thankfully in this place in my career where most people are just like, good for him. He's doing stuff. We're just glad you're doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Even with the podcast, people are like, oh, I see that, you know, I've done yeah. almost 50 episodes at this point and, <clears throat> and the people who are just like, oh, I saw you had so-and-so on and I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, I didn't listen to it, but I just like that you're doing it. Yeah. Like, good for you. It's yeah. like, the, you know, so I don't get a lot of like, and I'm sure that at some point it will tip and there'll be, I'll have more like YouTube comment type troll people who are just like, this is awful. Yeah. You know, or whatever, or this sucks with a Z, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but I think with, with you with that, I mean, you have to take it like this person cares enough about the things that you're doing to try to steer you in the direction <clears throat> of where they first loved you. Yeah. I feel, which I feel like a lot of hardcore fans that like, loved an artist or filmmaker or whatever for a while and then they hate all their new stuff. Yeah. I think it think it's just because deep down they they resonated so much with one kind of with one period in that artist's career that they're trying to help and when they voice it online I think they're trying to help maybe steer them like they're going to thank me one day because right. they've got lost and they don't even know it, you know. Right. They need to come back. To so you can it's it's hard to hate too much you know in that in that respect anyway. You totally. have to, you have to sort of like be grateful that they care enough to even say something. Dude, anytime somebody says anything. I love it when people even come up. I mean, I've had people like come up to me and wait in line at shows to come and tell me what they don't like about whatever. The current, the last CD, the what I, the performance. Is it aggressive or is it a more like no, passive it's, it's, way? No, it's like, like in a helpful way. It's okay. like they just really want to know because they're, they're, it's just funny what people, how oblivious people are. Like they don't think of you as a person. <laughs> they think, of, you know, you're just like, you're just a song maker <laughs> artist type and so you're here to help them do their thing right and uh but yeah they'll come up and be like you know ever since this one record that you did you just it's all kind of stupid now it's like are you trying to um you just used to be a lot more you used to try harder i could hear it now you don't try as hard or you're trying or like and then the next person will be like you know what you're just trying too hard now you used to just have this like natural thing that you could do and it's just everything i hear it's all fine i mean it really is like because there's a couple of things. There's something, I don't know, I, th- I try when I play a set of music. It's going to be varied. I, I mean, and even the way I write songs, too. Not all the songs, hopefully, have much in common mm-hmm. with any of the other songs, except that they have this weird undertone of corbiness to them. Yeah, there's a through line of corbiness. Yeah, but other than that, different tempos, different keys, different approaches. The way I play guitar is different on everything, and... Um, that's all on purpose and I'm trying to like when I play a show I just want to play the show that I want to see because I'm really easily bored and if I see one good song and the next song kind of sounds like that one I'll already sort of be checking out it's like a copy and paste situation where it's like oh you just you're following that formula to death yeah totally and so (laughs) when you do that I mean I think that what you gain is worth what you lose what you lose is um, you're going to somebody not everyone's going to like everything you do even within one set people are going to have their thing that they love that oh I love when he's like Damien Rice I love mm-hmm. when he's like uh, Tiny Tim you play I the uke when, yeah. yeah exactly I love when he rocks more out. ukulele songs Corby come on just yeah. play the ukulele yeah what, Yeah. why are you ever since you've got the ukulele it's you found on, your calling what are you doing still playing save guitar on, it's like save on gas else. mileage because you're so light you totally. know like don't even bring anything else hitchhike. I mean just strap it on your back. Totally. <laughs> but I really don't read reviews. And I just, I try to honestly like isolate myself as much as possible because there's plenty I get just being From physically yourself. in a room. Well, yeah. But I mean like if it's in terms of fan feedback, just being in a room with fans and talking, like I get enough of that. And I'm already just kind of trying to, because it doesn't help you write songs. If you try to write songs to appease what your fans say, um, I think that's a great way to make, or well, I think there is a way. I think when you start doing that, there's a, <clears throat> in a way, they're sort of taking. I don't know. I, I go back and forth between thinking that like positive feedback is good or feedback is good because it helps you kind of know where you stand, mm-hmm. but also letting it taint where you were gonna go with a song or something or like maybe don't be so, you know. I don't know. I really I do. I see both sides of it where it can kind of ruin, in a way, or you know, taint or poison sort of the well that you were. Well, I was going to write this. These types of songs are in me, but I'm scared that if I put them out there, these people are going to hate it, so I'm just not going to worry about it. Like, yeah. Just write what you're going to write and... Let people hate it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And move on. I mean, that's... Uh, um, Chris Christopherson, when he played... Uh, I mean, he played two hours of, I mean, pretty much hits. You knew, you knew like, two-thirds of the songs. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's 50 years of songwriting 
there were so many songs in there that he doesn't play anymore that he doesn't even remember. I mean, most, way most of them. I mean, he's probably playing 4% of the songs he ever totally Wow. Played. You know, I bet. I'm guessing. Yeah. But like, oh, yeah. No that's just the sense of just, um, I, I, this is like, I tell myself this all the time because I tend to be a little too precious, I think. And I feel like I'm always kind of leaning back um, in the sense that if I write something I really, really like, I mean, I play other songs I play that I wrote six years ago, you know, that I still play. And even though I write kind of a lot, I still, it's only once in a while that I write a song where I'm like, yeah, like I feel that song and I believe it. And this is a Corby song, mm-hmm. you know, stamp of approval. Um, and, but the, everything else other than that tends to not get played for very long. You know, I'll try it out kind of. And if yeah. somebody really likes it, well, okay, maybe I'll keep this, I'll keep trying it. But everything is like, <clears throat> uh, this is maybe more to the point. I feel like every time you play and everything you do, you're auditioning for the next time. And I feel like you're doing the same thing with songs. And songs are earning their right to be in your set list because they're, they're competing against the other songs yeah. in your set list. And um, I just tend to like throw my children into the ring and let them <laughs> duke it out. <laughs> But, um, like a good father. But yeah, I mean, like, and it's also, it's kind of affected the way I write a little bit in the sense that um, I don't write, I try on purpose to never write slow songs right now because there's a couple of slow songs that I do that are just, they're really good, you know, and they say something really true. And there's only so many slots in the set for a yeah, slow ballad. And they're taken <clears throat> for now. And maybe I'll like, and some of them get shuffled out and they come back later or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a lot more room for like a clever up-tempo just to like a nice, pleasant song. That's what I'm trying to do right now, just for myself, because it's the hardest thing for me to do. Yeah. Easier for me to pour my heart out than for me to kind of only show a little bit, mm-hmm. but let it be enough that you're interested and you want to listen to it again. That's that's really hard for yeah. me. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, well, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I do no have worries. I do have the last two uh, questions I always ask people. <clears throat> As a reminder to ask you, uh, they're not they're not related at all, but they're two of my favorite things to ask. Uh, people, um, so I'll, I'm gonna ask you the first one, but you can think about it if you don't have an answer right away. Okay. But what was your, if you can think of your worst live show experience, like you were playing or no, I want I want you to I, be. I, I want, an answer. Okay. Okay. That's okay. An easy one. Well then, well let's end on that. I'm gonna okay. ask you this: What was what's your first memory of the internet? We started talking about the internet. Now we'll end with it. Um, I don't know if this is a very good story, but um, I didn't. The internet wasn't around when I was in high school. I'm that old. Um, well, it's not even that old of a thing. Like you know, I guess it was like yeah, ninety five. Well, but, I mean, it was in the eighties <clears> in the eighties technically, but but it was like yeah, but we didn't have personal computers really until it was like late nineties before yeah. everybody had the internet in their home. I for mean, the most part. I remember being in like my first year of college, going into like that was way before people had laptops and stuff. So there was computer labs, of course, and that's where you typed your paper. And um, they were on the internet. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember like walking into my first computer lab and seeing like all of the little kids. And it was totally quiet. There's no music. All you could hear was... And like it was so creepy. I, it like made my skin crawl like just seeing it. And I was like, I don't want to be one of those people. But then... What were they doing? They were just say. online? Like they were typing. They were t- t- typing. Yeah, they were just like online. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and as soon as I started you know, typing my papers on the computer, I'd be like, oh, Netscape? And exactly, you know, yeah. Like, Alta Vista. Wow, Alta Vista. <laughs> Type in something. Wow, weird. But, um, weird. this is funny. Like, when I, my cl- uh, major in college was, um, it was like a philosophy history major, but a part of that was, like, learning how to use a library in, a, like, kind of an advanced collegiate way. Mm-hmm. Like, how to do hardcore research. and But it still involved note cards you know, microfiche. I yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. I actually like microfiche. I do too. I, I used it last year for. They like, still have it? Yeah. You libraries know, oh, and stuff? Yeah, totally. Greenhills Library. That's totally awesome. Microfiche. You can look at old newspaper headings. I love that. It's so fun. And you like the two dials mm-hmm. and you like scroll. It's just really so analog. It's I know, so I tactile. love it. And, um, worst gig. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. I mean, I had a pretty bad <laughs> gig on this tour like three uh, last week. But that was not as bad as this other gig that I had when I was in my bluegrass band in Seattle. And mm-hmm. the band was called Barbed Wire Cutters. And we would, I mean, we played clubs and stuff, but like a lot of bands, our bread and butter would be like weddings or corporate gigs. And this was like some a really high-end country club golf course hired us to play their like 
annual um, appreci- uh, like pay, uh, members like hang, reward hang. And so, I mean, I, I had never up to this point seen like scale, like living on this scale of like where they had these stations. It was like the Tenderloin State. Like the whole thing was outside oh, wow. on the putting green outside the, the clubs, if that's the scene. And then there was like these different tables set like. 30 yards apart from when there's the sushi table and there's the tender wine table and there's the hors d'oeuvres table and there's the dessert table and people just kind of like wander back and forth and eat and drink wine and yeah um we were sitting there and playing and it was a five-piece bluegrass band and we had like we at that time we just do a round one mic kind of thing and we were right there on the green and there was just one moment where i um i had to, i stopped playing just took a picture because there was like i don't know 75 to 100 people in the immediate area like right there and every single person had their back turned <laughs> like and this is bluegrass music it wasn't like we were blowing them out of the right, water right. You know, with our wall of sound it was just like <laughs> and then it, like just the picture because they all looked like super duper rich people mm-hmm. like polos and khakis and tight yeah. shirts and um Birkenstocks and um it was just like kind of an honor like we put it on our website like <laughs> no but like you're too rich above a certain price point if you're too wealthy, you, you won't hang not. with our band. It's <laughs> <laughs> a real Corby, high five. Corby, thank you, sir, for doing this. Dude, I, I have to get a picture because you're the best dressed podcast guest I've ever had. Well, at least I have that. Well, that does it for episode 43. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to check out more of Corby's music, it's available on iTunes and Amazon and Spotify and anywhere you can get it digitally, as well as CorbyLinker.com. You can get the physical copy and uh, find out where he's going to play next and uh, and go go check him out. Great live artist, uh, great artist all around. So thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, for who writes this stuff, I'm Nick Flora. Go do something creative. <laughs>